Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. All right, guys, back here again, Derek Peaver. Uh, we're having an unbelievable conversation. So first and foremost, and I know I always start off with gratitude, but I wanted to just thank you, Derek, for taking the time and the expertise that you are. You know, for you, you're a busy guy, right? You, you have a lot on the go, and I just want to make sure that uh, acknowledge that. So if guys, if ever you are, um, are wanting to reach out to Derek, why don't we just get this out of the way right now? Sure. How does someone get a hold of you? Well, you can just Google me. It's real easy. My phone number's online at 604-657-9909. Or you can go to the Super Suites website and any of the contact information there will come right to me as well. Her, cool. So um, speaking of Super Suites, yes. um, we're in one right now. This is kind of... You know, it's not. You're not the inventor of this concept, but I think you're. The, I think you're the. I think you've taken it to the next level. Um, maybe give the backstory about how that came to fruition and and how you how you learned about this strategy. Sure. Thank you. Well, basically, we started off with unfurnished rentals. We dabbled in rent to owns. We tried wholesaling. You know, I'm one of the guys that had the we buy homes for cash fast around his Ford Explorer. So we've, we've tried a lot of things trying to find our, our way to leaving our jobs. And uh, in 2000, I believe it was mid-2007, a lady named Catherine Brooker, a, a REMAX agent from Calgary, came out to speak to us in BC and told us about basically what she was doing with her furnished rentals on homes, detached homes in Calgary. And I just remember taking furious notes uh, because I had had a chance encounter with a company called Solution Staffing in Abbotsford. They were building the new regional hospital at the time, and they were looking for furnished suites for nurses. They had called me on one of my unfurnished ads, asking me if I'd be willing to furnish it. So we thought there was this new condo called The Element coming up across the street from the hospital, and we thought it would be an ideal place for a two-bed, two-full bath for Solution Staffing. It turns out we never rented to them for several years, but it went so well uh, with the demand that we basically never did another unfurnished rental. And we loosely used the term super suites in our ads because we had heard the term through uh, seminars and it was used in places like Fort McMurray to describe a fully furnished and equipped condo. Yeah. Many years later, uh, we inquired if it was actually a protected trademark, and it wasn't. So we patented that uh, for use in Canada, and also Super Suites On Demand, which is basically a portable uh, condominium. Mm -hmm. Very cool. It's turnkey. It's got, if I open the drawer, it's got cutlery in the drawer. I went into the washroom to use the washroom. It's got the little rolled up, yeah. uh, you know, sorry, the cleaner might have to come by again here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely just turnkey. So what kind of clientele are you attracting for, for your places? Thank you. Yeah, so super suites are basically fully furnished and equipped accommodations. They come with full kitchen, full linen, all the amenities of home. So our tenants just have to bring luggage and food. And basically our primary client is a small family, maybe one or two kids who has had a flood or fire in their home and they need somewhere to stay while their home gets repaired. We also do quite a bit of corporate relocation. So for example, if a company hires a new hire to the area, a lot of them will pay for the employee's accommodation typically for 60 days while they sell their place back home mm -hmm. or, or figure out if they even wanna stay and take the job. 
um, figure out where they want to live. And we'll kind of try to be a resource to them to help them transition out of the super suite as well. Okay, so this place that we're in right now, what would it rent for as a super suite property? So this is a two bedroom and den. It's a fairly small one, but it's also quite unique because mm -hmm. we're on the top floor and it's a two story loft, which is fairly rare in Abbotsford. And we've had these properties online for about three years and they've rented quite consistently for between 115 to 125 a night, all inclusive, which is 3450 to 3750. And, you know, purchase price on it today is probably around 350, give or take. So it, it seems like a very high rental number mm -hmm. and people should realize there are a lot of operating costs in there with housekeeping, with utilities, it's truly an all-inclusive. Mm -hmm. And you have to budget for linen, you have to budget for shadows and things that, and also a much higher vacancy and your time. Right, what, did, what did, do you find vacancy on one of your units? I, I think we're actually probably rare that we're actually in one of your properties uh, while it's vacant. Yeah, it's, it's quite good. Like in the industry, it's considered fairly successful if you're more than 80% occupied, similar to seniors housing or other kind of value add rental strategies. But, um, you know, we budget two months a year vacant in okay. our performance. 16, about 17%. Right, okay. about 20, Exa exactly. 20, yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you get on a nice roll, um, you can literally almost be full all year, which is more typical in the Fraser Valley area, you know, whereas our new properties in Calgary uh, could see as much as four months vacant in a year, but we're getting in on a really good buying opportunity. Okay, so th was it did the number 3450, was that the number? Correct. What would this place rent for if it was unfurnished? Give your ballpark estimate. Yeah, so market rents are up a lot in the last two years mm -hmm. as well, probably even outpacing uh, rents on our side. But when we purchased it, it was probably more like 1400, 1500. Okay. And today might be, you know, 18, two grand unfurnished. So you're getting minimum $1,500 premium. Correct. For, for having it furnished. Yep. Okay. And do you factor in a lot of the, the furniture and the appliances and the, the knives and kit? Do you factor that into the purchase costs at the beginning? Yeah. Well, one cool strategy that you guys can do actually is with the brick or Ashley's, there's a few of them that will do no payments, no interest for 12 or 18 months. And the way that it works is if you take the 12 month program, you basically pay the taxes up front, mm -hmm. which on a two bedroom condo might be $500 or something. Right. If you take the 18-month plan, then it's basically uh, factored in um, a little bit of an extra financing cost or mm -hmm. whatever, but that's an option as well. And it's a great option because then the tenant, if you do well, pays for the furniture out of the cash flow. Hmm. So one thing that one additional benefit we offer to our partners is that we won't take anything as the managing partner until the furniture is paid out. Hmm. So that what that does is that lowers their cash required um, by about ten to fourteen thousand, and increases their return on investment. Wow! So you you have investment partners on these super suites, yes. and you you like brand new construction, which right. I love brand new construction myself. Yeah. But frankly, guys, if you if you do get into the world of brand new housing you may never ever go back to buying an old resale house again. Now, it's hard. I'm not saying that it works in every market, yeah. but if, if given a choice between 
a market, if you can get a brand new house or a resale house that's you know, yeah. 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, I would take a new house every, all day long. Yes. Now I'm talking in generalities, but you do get into brand new properties right? because it works very, very well for these higher end rental properties. Yes. So how do you structure your joint venture? So okay, I'm gonna do a role play here. Okay. I've got, how much money do you need for somebody to come typically in to, to buy in? Our cookie cutter deal today is between 80 and 120,000 all in. Okay, I got 250 grand. Okay. Okay. Um, and you've through you've worked in your magic and us meeting at a thing like that. You've asked me lots of questions and I'm I love what you're talking about. I like the cut of your jib and yeah. all that kind of stuff and and I've got 250 grand. Yeah. Um, and I'm we're having a meeting. How would you structure that with me? Okay. So you know, first, I like to just start out by not coming on too heavy with a big PowerPoint and all this. Mm -hmm. I like to just meet people, you know, generally not have a, a take feel. Just, you know, how can I help you? Is mm -hmm. it a good fit? Uh, you know, do we have good chemistry? Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of bromance going on yeah. here. It's almost like a date. Exactly. It's the e-harmony of, of, of <laughs> exactly. real estate investing. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, you don't... I, hopefully you don't need to do the deal, right. right? Like I like that grocery store test. If you if you ran into the person at the grocery store, would you kind of hurry the other way, like you didn't see them, or would you say, hey, you know, how's it going? Mm -hmm. Because life's too short to have partners that you really just dread dealing with. Right. You know, I've had some of those, but basically I would start off just just introductory, yep. you know, backstory, see if there's a good feeling. And then I would probably put them on my list if they would like to get opportunities mm -hmm. just so they can see what our typical opportunity looks like. And, and if they have questions, I'll walk them through the pro forma and they can kind of get a flavor for what our deals look like that way. Okay. So you've, uh, so we've met, we've, we've had a, a coffee date. Yeah. Um, we both like what we see so far. Yeah. Do you have properties on your website or do you email it to people or what do you, what do you typically do? Yeah, so we don't have any investment opportunities anywhere Smart on, point, online. because sometimes you yeah. can get become a target if you have them on your, on your website. But yes, anyway. so it's, it's basically, um, you know, exclusive opportunities mm -hmm. to our friends and family as they come available. We always try to give first right of refusal to our existing partners as a mm -hmm. courtesy and Quite often, you know, to touch on what we were talking about earlier, it is our existing partners that do the next deal and we look to refinance something mm. um, or it's someone they know that is the next referral typically that does another deal. Um, but after that, you know, I can walk them through a detailed PowerPoint of mm -hmm. who brings what to the table where you kind of demonstrate why you're getting 50% ownership and all the things that you do that I learned from Russ on how to present that. And really, you know, I have no problem asking for 50% because I've seen these deals through. And, you know, sometimes if they don't go as great, you work for free for 10 years. And, you know, it's risk and reward. And, and uh, okay, so, so we've had um, met, we like what we see. You've um, qualified me pretty hard right. over, the, over the time to make sure that I'm, it's a good fit because fit is more important than the money. Yes. Right? Because you have to be able to work together. Yes. Um, You've now shown me a couple properties. You've given me a formal presentation. So right. we're now talking three, four meetings, probably. At least, right? At least. They say seven right. uh, on average, isn't it? Before yeah. you can actually do business with somebody. Okay, I like what you have to offer, and I'm I'm ready to sign on the dotted line with yeah. two hundred fifty thousand bucks. Okay. What's the next step? Okay, so the next step typically is that we have an opportunity already mm -hmm. yep. that's available for you. 
And do you give me just one or two, or do you give me three, or do you just give me just, here's the best deal in Wego? Yeah, it's usually, you know, one at a time as they, as they come in. Yep. And it will be one particular project, one development, where we're buying, let's say, anywhere from four to 12 units mm -hmm. on average. And what we do is we'll have individual partners on each of the four units, for example, but collectively we get some buying power. So we add value to the individual partner that they would get a deal that they would never get if mm -hmm. they walked in off the street without our group. Okay. Um, so just I'm going to back up a step here, and um, and I know we're just we're just doing this off the cuff. We're, we're, we're guys. We're just we're in this every day, and it, it's interesting. And I'm going through the process right now of building out my entire system and just you know refreshing everything. And it's like asking a master chef who's been cooking um, a master dish for the last 12 years, so what exactly do you do, right? And it's sitting there and go, well, you have to actually go time out, okay, here's the step, and then you actually now doc, we're documenting the process. Right. And everybody who's watching this gets to get the benefit of that. Um, do you have some favorite questions that you like to ask people in the qualification, uh, um, qualification stage with, uh, with your investors? Yes, uh, one that I've learned to ask is that because our strategy, a big benefit to it is that we give monthly owner payments mm -hmm. as opposed to like reinvesting and compounding like Buffett does, which is a great idea. But I think a, re a reason that a lot of people invest is because it does pay monthly mm -hmm. and it's a good finger on the pulse of the health of, of the investment. But one of the key questions that I like to ask people is, you know, are you depending on this monthly mm. uh, owner payment in order to pay the bills or are you okay? with a scenario where you don't get it or it's reduced or temporarily stopped. Because, you know, if you start somebody off with, let's say, a $400 a month owner payment and you have to take it back, I probably got this from you, but it's like taking a, a bone from a dog, mm -hmm. right? Where they'll love you if you bump it or, or they'll just be content with you if you bump it. Mm -hmm. But if you reduce it or pause it, um, it's a big problem, yeah. right? So that's one. Yeah, one of the big mistakes I made, and I've share, I share this all the time, is during the really good times is, you know, everybody gets paid out. I often joke about it, it's like Oprah, and you get a car, <laughs> and you get a car, and you get a car, yeah. right? And everybody gets a car. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, if a market ever turned, mm -hmm. like it did in Alberta for a little while, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden now everybody was used to getting cars on a, mm -hmm. <laughs> on a monthly, on a, on a, a um, yearly basis, then that becomes an issue. And it turned here yeah. too. Yes. Like I lived through 20, 30, percent price corrections in Abbotsford. Mm -hmm. So if people think it's just like Vancouver that it tends to go straight up like that, it's really not. It behaves more like Alberta in the eastern Fraser Valley. Right. Okay. So there is volatility. Yes. I bet you would probably prescribe to the whole thought around it. killer deal attracts wealth, attracts money. Yes. Right. That's probably your number one fundamental is that it has to have an unbelievable deal and that deal will attract wealth to it. Absolutely, yeah. right? And, and also having an investable theme, I think, is mm. important because... You have a system. Yeah, right? and if you just have a vanilla deal that they could hire a property manager for, uh, you know, you got to add some value either two ways I, I, that I know of is physical uh, renovations or strategy, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's rent to own or assignments or whatever your your special sauce is there's yeah. got to be something there that justifies your role yeah what you know guys it's funny i was just answering a question just recently about somebody who said i heard that you can charge um 
acquisition fees on things, and I'm I, I'm entitled to an acquisition fee. Mm. And I go, well, you know, you ain't entitled to nothing. Mm. Everything is earned. Yes. Right. If you provide no value to that, how can you ask for 50, 60, 70, 80 percent? And I think I got a mm. bit of a unique perspective on this acquisition mm-hmm. fee thing. Like one of the fundamental things that we've always done is we don't charge any fees, mm-hmm. any markups. Like our corporate discount on Shaw is exactly what we share with the partnership. We don't charge travel charges. We don't charge markups on linen, anything like that, which is very typical with most mm. operators. And you know, basically, uh, one cool thing about this acquisition fee or bird dog fee is that there are a lot of upfront time and, mm-hmm. and costs required to get a property going. It's front end loaded. Yep. And what we do is we charge what's called a managerial loan. And it's actually an interest-free loan for $5,000 that gets loaned to myself and my local partner. For example, Mm -hmm. if it's in Calgary, we would split it, uh, $2,500 each. And that amount gets paid back to the investor with their original capital invested, either when we refinance or sell. So it it, it helps us with travel and and upfront costs and all that. It's tax efficient for us. Mm -hmm. And there's still no fees. Okay, so so in essence, you'd be, let's say, let's say a normal down payment would be 85. You'd be charging 85 plus maybe some other closing costs and a few things, and then you actually put another 5,000 on top, so maybe Correct. it's 95. Correct. The down payment in, right? and that's what I get back, and five of that is that, that loan. Correct. Okay, well, very yeah. good. Yeah. And then that goes directly back to you, but you paid all the proceeds at the back end. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so taking it back to our conversation, we've we've had three or four meetings. We've had up to seven meetings potentially. Sure. Um, you, I like what I see. You like what I see. I've got um, two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars. You have four opportunities right. that uh, are, are on the books. What's the next step from there? Do you have yeah. a certain a paperwork that I have to start signing, yes. or who qualifies for the mortgage? Okay. Like, what, what's the Let's next? Let's get step? into it. Yeah. So. Right around that stage is probably where I'm going to suggest, depending on the timeline of the deal, that you're going to get your own accounting advice, your own legal advice. Typically, the lawyer will want to give some feedback on the joint venture agreement, Mm -hmm. and we're always open to building that in and improving it as long as it's reasonable. Um, You know, basically, the way that we set it up for us is we're going to let them do the deal. Like that Mr. and Mrs. Smith or their entity is going to take over that contract to buy that condo and we're basically out. Mm. And they're gonna buy it on their own merit, you know, with their own down payment, with their own qualifying ability. And then once they legally own it, and we'll take a step back in a sec again, but once they legally own it, then they can either, you know, hire a property manager, joint venture with us, which is what the plan is, but there's nothing binding them to joint venture with us at the point when they close on the property. Okay, so I'm buying it, right? Yeah. So, so so essentially you give do you have it under contract? Yes. Are you the current you so you buy it yourself? Yes. It's so you own it. it well it's typically okay. Pevercon Properties Inc. will tie up let's say that four unit four scenario. Units. Okay. You, you own the four. Right. right. So we've got the contract on it. We haven't removed our subjects, okay. but we've got a right to buy it, which then allows us to legally promote it to our investor database. You have to have it under contract if you're not a licensed individual. Okay. Right? Okay, so you go in, you will write an offer 
with subject, what is one of the subjects that you will put in there? Subject to, that you have the option to assign it and transfer yeah. it to another yeah, we third be, party or? Exactly, we wanna be clear that ideally there's no assignment fees, mm -hmm. but if there is assignment fees, we're clear on what they are. We can usually get those waived because we're very upfront in our very first uh, email summary to the seller on who we are. You know, we do one month rentals. We're super sweets. Here's who our clients are. Mm -hmm. We do joint ventures. They, the investor is going to close on it eventually, not us. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically pass along the exact same price and terms that we got to the partner. Okay. So you, you're 100% transparent. You have the property under contract. I'm coming in now, and then you assign the property to me. Right. I will then go to the bank to get my own mortgage. Yeah. I will then have to stroke a check for the down payment. Right. And the title's in my name, the mortgage is in my name, and it's I close on the place as if I owned it. Yeah, and you do. And, and one detail to add is that quite often, instead of doing an assignment addendum, mm -hmm. we'll just do a fresh, clean contract in Mr. and Miss Smith's name, and just ours goes by the wayside because a lot of lenders are concerned that you're flipping or you're marking it up and it's it's getting frothy, right? Okay, so you go back to the seller and just get yes. a new contract in place. Yes. Okay. And then I go, I go and have my own conversation with my own lawyers and my own bank, right. and I 100% own the place. Correct. Um, now, I know there's a, and we're gonna get into this, this is a little bit of a hot button yeah. that's out there in the marketplace right now. It's, you know, some lawyers are going, well, geez, is there a third party interest right. in this property? Yes. And is there this peaver con? Who's this peaver con right. of, of this? Who's the, what's, their, what's, what's the dealio? And the, and the lawyer has to report that to yeah. the bank, right? to my bank. Yes. So I've had this situation right at the closing table, mm -hmm. you know, blow up a deal at the 11th hour. And basically, the way that we handled it was, um, you know, in that situation, really, truly, like, because they're buying it on their own merit with their own funds, there's no side contracts. Like, we mm -hmm. never have an addendum that doesn't go to the bank or anything like that. So really, we do stand the risk of them just saying, who are you, mm -hmm. at the day after completion, even though we negotiated the deal and, and all that, right? But one time we had this situation at the closing table and the lawyer, our lawyer, who when you're purchasing actually is the bank's lawyer, as you know, not the buyer's lawyer, they're, they're bound to the, to the lender. He felt that it was a bit of a gray area that he couldn't sign off that there was no third party involved because he just felt uncomfortable for whatever reason. So we just had a new uh, notary basically look after the file and put it through and they weren't aware of the emails going back and forth with myself and them. But I just fall back on the point that they're buying it on their own merit, they're qualifying with their own true details on their employment mm -hmm. and everything. And once they own it, they have property rights. There's nothing illegal or unmoral about doing a joint venture with somebody after you own a property. Right. And one of the things that I've, I've actually, one of the things I'm doing myself with a couple of the you know flips I'm doing is I'm working with a money partner and we're just actually writing a check all cash to buy the place, mm -hmm. right? It's now the title's in my name, Yeah, I own it. Now what we can do is we can go back to a bank or we can go, we can then, once you own it, you can do something different with it after you've actually closed on it. Very true. Right, so, so not everybody is in that position where they can stroke that check, yeah. right? but it depends on your money partner. And you know what's interesting too, Russ, is even 
with the, how sweet some of our deals are. Like a lot of them will have built-in equity at completion because we've negotiated a bulk discount. We've never had a partner, you know, not partner with us once they've legally completed on it and own it. So, you know, to leave your tail hanging out a little bit, if, if you're worried about that, then it's probably not somebody you want to partner with anyways. So really it's coming down to, it's the bank, it, a bank is having an issue not necessarily the person buying it. Is That's that right. It? And I think that I see it from both sides and I appreciate our Canadian banking system and, and how it's cautious and, and, and all this, but they want to make sure that, for example, Mr. and Mrs. Smith aren't just getting their down payment from somebody else or, you know, their income qualification wasn't true or accurate. Mm-hmm. Like as long as they truly qualify on their own, Having us in does not increase the bank's liability at all. It only strengthens their security. Right, and that's how you can keep adding properties to your portfolio um, without having to qualify for a mortgage. That's right, because even now, because I've been self-employed since 2009, it's very difficult to get mortgages Mm -hmm. in my own name. And if I do, which I can, they're 65% loan-to-value as opposed to 80, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's commercial, you have multiple units. So I've gone and I've, uh, now I've gone in and I've bought two places. Um, Got my own mortgage, my own down payment, went to see the lawyer, got it all closed, it's all reported. Woohoo, I own a place. Um, Now what do I typically do after that? After I celebrate and take my lovely wife out for dinner, what what typically we do after that? Right, so an important point to make is that we have checklists for everything. A checklist to me is a system, right? So we Mm -hmm. have due diligence checklists, which were based off some of the early rain, you know, all property checklists and strata due diligence checklists. And then we've customized them. Every time you make a mistake or something's redundant, you add and take away from your checklist. We have completion checklists for as the property completes. We have investor relation checklist, right, for the whole process, even to get a little, um, you know, mug or something at the end Mm -hmm. of it, right? Um, So that checklist basically walks through the steps of after completion, we would sign a joint venture agreement. And also, if it's in BC, we now have a trust declaration, which used to be built into our joint venture agreement. And as you know, because we dealt with this many years ago, it's now been recommended that it's a separate document. So it's very clear that the investors, the trustee on title, is holding the property in trust for the beneficial ownership, which is themselves and Pevercon properties. Okay, we're gonna get into that further more because okay. trust declarations and things like that might be new for some people to, to hear. Sure. And I think that is uh, something that we definitely will get into a little bit more. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.